What's up everybody, GenX Dividend Investor here. In this fascinating video I analyze the pros and cons of Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs and I think you may find the results surprising. I'm also going to share some new information that just came out about some classic dividend stocks that many of us own, so I recommend you watch this entire video. But first please show your support by hitting that thumbs up button, subscribing if you haven't yet, and clicking that bell notification. Now I gotta admit, the normal advice that I've historically given, which is similar to what many financial people give, is to open a Roth IRA as soon as you can, and then contribute to it as much as you can for as long as you can, assuming you've paid off your bad debt and blah blah blah. But then I recently came across this interesting article that had a completely different perspective, and as I dug into it I realized that it was worth sharing the viewpoint. I'll include a link to it in the description of my video, and it's titled, I lost $400,000 of my retirement savings in a Roth 401k, three things to know before choosing an investment plan. Now my first thought was that it was going to be a clickbait article, because I always fall for those. Like I'm the guy who clicks on the article that says, you won't believe how good Marsha Brady looks today, but then I'm invariably let down when I actually look. Anyways, this article starts off by sharing a stat that said that 92% of Americans think that they should be investing in a Roth IRA, which itself I was frankly surprised by, because I'd have guessed that much less than 92% of random adults would even know what a Roth was. And to make sure we're all on the same page, I'll quickly explain some basics that you've got to understand about retirement accounts before I continue on with the article. But if you already have a good understanding of Roths and traditionals, then feel free to jump to the timestamp on screen where I dive into the article. Okay, so a Roth IRA, and IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account, is just a type of a retirement account that is funded with after-tax money and then offers tax-free growth and tax-free withdrawals at retirement. There are lots of different types of retirement accounts out there, with common ones being 401ks that many companies in the U.S. have, 403bs that public schools and some charities have, and TSBs amongst others, which are a tax-deferred retirement plan for federal employees. There are also SEP IRAs which can be used by business owners to provide retirement benefits for themselves and their employees, and there are a bunch of others like spousal IRAs, Roth 401ks, 457 plans, HSAs, etc. Many workers in the U.S. have 401ks, where the company often matches some part of an employee contribution with their own dollars, which means it's basically free money. Some 401k plans are expensive due to high admin costs, but generally speaking they're worth it for most people depending on their retirement goals. And here's a helpful chart comparing Roth IRAs versus traditional IRAs from Investopedia. Starting with contributions, we see that the money you deposit into a Roth account is not tax deductible. Contributions you put into a traditional IRA may be tax deductible, and I'll elaborate on what I mean, but let me first show you a simple example of what I'm talking about. Here's a paycheck calculator from SmartAsset.com, and let's assume you're single, living in Georgia, that you get paid twice a month and you're making 15 bucks an hour. Your estimated take-home pay is basically 1,009 bucks every two weeks. From that take-home pay, you do things like spend some on bills, some on entertainment, and hopefully some on investing into a retirement account like a Roth, assuming you're eligible. Let's say you want to invest into a Roth, so you take 10% of your take-home pay and deposit it. 10% of your take-home is about 101 bucks, and you transfer that cash into your Fidelity or E-Trade or whatever Roth account, and with that cash, you could place a buy order for 101 bucks of, let's say, VTI. That leaves your take-home pay after investing at 908 bucks. Now let's look at a standard 401k or traditional IRA example. In this case, let's pretend that $100 of your paycheck is deposited pre-tax into your retirement account. This calculator shows us that your take-home pay, after investment, would be $926. So you ended up with a bit more in your take-home pay, which is nice, and you could always deposit that increased difference between the traditional IRA and the Roth into another account, but let's table that for now. The big benefit of the Roth is that when you withdraw it, you don't pay taxes on it, assuming you meet all the criteria, and I'll get to that in a moment. 
But a key point is that the Roth is post-tax contributions, and traditional IRAs use pre-tax contributions, which are often deductible. And by often I mean that there are some limitations and thresholds to potential deduction based on a bunch of factors, like if your traditional IRA is offered through work, how much money you make, etc. Then, continuing the comparison, both Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs limit how much you can contribute each year, which is $6,500 in 2023, or $7,500 if you're 50 or older. Now, one big reason some people don't go with Roths is due to the income limits, because you can't directly deposit into a Roth if your modified adjusted gross income is above 153 grand a year in 2023 as a single filer, nor can you if you're married, filing jointly, and you guys pull in more than 228 grand a year. The government put those limits in place for Roths because it's a huge deal to be able to withdraw tax-free once you're at least 59 and a half. But if you make too much money to contribute to a Roth, then all is not lost. You could instead contribute to a non-deductible traditional IRA and then use a tax strategy called a backdoor Roth IRA where you convert money from your traditional into a Roth. You owe taxes doing that, but some people still go that route. There's also a mega backdoor Roth that you can research in case you're looking into doing conversions. Okay, and the next and potentially most important comparison between a Roth versus a traditional is how they each deal with withdrawals because that's your ultimate end goal. Now, the rules are more complicated than this, so I'll just generalize to say that Roth IRAs allow for tax and penalty-free withdrawals if you're at least age 59 and a half, and it's been at least five years since you first contributed to a Roth. If you want to see all the details for Roth IRA withdrawals, then check out the links in the description below. Now, that tax-free aspect of withdrawals is huge and is a key reason why Roths are so popular, and I'll show you some data on that shortly. Also, it's not mentioned in this chart, but in general, you can withdraw your Roth IRA contributions at any time. Obviously, you want to try to avoid taking any money out of your IRA for as long as possible in order to allow the normal compounding growth which often happens over long periods of time, but the option to withdraw your contributions is a big plus to Roths that traditionals don't have. You'll need to make sure you have accurate records of your contributions so that it's defensible in case the IRS comes knocking. Now, the high-level TLDR regarding withdrawals from a traditional IRA is that they're taxed at your ordinary income rates, and then if you withdraw before age 59 and a half, then they take on an additional 10% early withdrawal penalty. So, like, I have a traditional IRA because Roths didn't exist when I first started investing, and I never switched to them when I found out about them. And since I'm under 59 and a half and I'm withdrawing cash dividends from my retirement account, that means those withdrawals are taxed like normal job income, plus a 10% penalty. But my qualified dividends I'm getting in my taxable account are basically tax-free, so I don't have job income. Anyways, under certain conditions, Roth IRAs also allow tax-free withdrawals of earnings, which are taxable in a traditional IRA. And those conditions include reaching age 59 and a half, being disabled, or using the funds as a first-time homebuyer. The final big difference that Investopedia called out between Roths and traditional IRAs are RMDs, or Required Minimum Distributions, which are minimum amounts that you generally must withdraw annually, starting with the year you reach age 72 or 73, depending on when you are born. So what does that mean? Well, in my case, that means that in a bit over 20 years, I'll be forced to start liquidating my traditional IRA, which means it'll be a taxable event, and the more you're forced to take out, the higher your tax bracket tends to become, which also means less tax sheltered and compounding is happening. Plus, higher taxable income may have negative impacts to Social Security or Medicare benefits. And the fact that Roths don't have to deal with RMDs is another reason why people love them so much. Let's look at a quick Investopedia example of RMDs in action. So they talk about a guy named Bob who retired and turned 74 on October 1st. His IRA was worth 205 grand on December 31st of the prior year. To calculate how much he has to withdraw from his IRA each year due to RMDs, you take his balance and divide that by the distribution factor from the relevant IRS table, which in this case says 
Bob's RMD would be 205,000 divided by 25.5, which equals $8,039, which means that each year he has to withdraw at least $8,039 from his IRA, either periodically throughout the year or wait until the end of the year to try to earn maximum interest or whatever. If he doesn't withdraw that amount, then he gets fined. There are exceptions and edge cases to all this, including there are specific cases if it's an inherited IRA or if it's a spousal IRA or whatever. Now, one way you may be able to avoid having to sell stock when your RMDs are due is if your account yields more income than the RMD amount. So like in Bob's case, his 205 grand portfolio has an eight grand RMD. If he could yield, let's say $10,000 a year in income, perhaps from dividends or maybe covered calls, then I think he could avoid having to sell stocks to meet his RMD requirement. Stock dividends from an IRA count towards your RMD, but dividends from a 401k apparently do not. Anyways, I'm far away from needing to dig deep into RMDs, but I'll definitely do that in a couple decades. Now one big caveat is that only earned income can be deposited into retirement accounts. So like my YouTube income counts as earned income, but my dividends do not, which means that I can't use my dividends to contribute into a retirement account if I wanted to. That also means that people probably shouldn't be depositing money into a kid's Roth account if their kids haven't earned money themselves. My understanding is that chore money doesn't pass the test of what is counted as earned income, so unless your kids actually have a job, then they probably can't be depositing into a Roth. Now some kids legitimately are making income, like from modeling gigs or having their own YouTube channel, or maybe from real babysitting gigs or getting cash from mowing lawns or something like that. But grandparents' Christmas money doesn't count as earned income for your kids. At least that's my understanding, but I'm pretty risk averse and wouldn't want the IRS to flag me for doing something skirting the lines, so definitely talk to a real tax advisor. Don't listen to some rando on YouTube. Oh, and if your child is not filing a tax form that reports his or her earned income, then consider maintaining a written log of their earnings in case the IRS asks questions. Anyways, any type of passive investment income from stocks, rentals, or other assets counts as unearned income. Therefore, it can't be contributed into retirement accounts. So the big question in this is what will do better mathematically, a Roth or a traditional, aside from the other benefits that Roth have? Which takes us back to the article. The guy who wrote the article said that he estimated that he had a $400,000 loss of retirement income by having invested in a Roth IRA versus a traditional retirement account. The root of the problem that this author found was that people assume that if they are paying 22% tax on the money that's going toward a Roth today, they'll likely owe at least 22% tax on their other income in retirement. But that's perhaps not how it generally pans out. He said that you're way more likely to have a lower income in retirement than you have today, so you'll likely be in a lower tax bracket in the future. He said you can see this from current retirees. Instead of earning a household income of about 71 grand, which is the median household income, they're instead earning just about 48 grand in retirement, and after the standard deduction, they'll only owe $1,992 in taxes each year, which is a 4.2% effective tax rate. So a takeaway I had is that one potential pitfall of Roth IRAs is that they might disadvantage high earners. What I mean is that because contributions are made post-tax, savers in higher tax brackets could find themselves paying more now than they would in their retirement years, when their tax brackets might be lower. I decided I'd check some of that info in the article using data from the U.S. Census Bureau, but he's correct in that most retirees end up with less income than they did while working, and most retirees end up in lower tax brackets. For example, the median household income in the U.S. is almost 71 grand a year, but the median retirement household income keeps dropping as you get older. It's at about 65K for those aged 60 to 64. Then it goes lower to 54K for those that are 65 to 69, and even lower down to 51K for those 70 to 74, and finally even lower at 35K median income if you're over 75, which kind of makes the point that most people end up at lower tax brackets as they get older, but obviously everyone doesn't. The lower the bracket you end up in, the less valuable that the tax-free withdrawal aspect of Roths end up playing a factor. 
And in fact, a wealth management expert I followed said that Roth IRAs are generally best suited to those who have consistent and stable income, are in a lower income tax bracket, and plan to stay in that same tax bracket when they retire. Roth IRA withdrawal rules also offer flexibility that could appeal to people needing to access their savings before age 59 and a half. This feature could come in handy as a safety net for unforeseen circumstances. Anyways, the author continues on by saying since the Roth is post-tax dollars, then that means that you're paying 22% tax today to save 4.2% in retirement, which he said no thanks to, at least for his case. Another reason the author of the article feels that Roth IRAs aren't the right choice for most Americans is a bit trickier to comprehend, but it comes down to the fact that the amount you can save in taxes today, by investing in a traditional IRA, is not apples to apples when compared to the taxes you can save in the future by investing in a Roth today. He said, it comes down to the marginal tax rate versus the effective tax rate. For reference, your marginal tax rate corresponds to the highest tax bracket that your last dollar of taxable income falls into, and your effective tax rate is the average rate of the tax you pay on all of your income. Thus, your effective average tax rate you pay on all of your income should be lower than your marginal rate. He goes on saying, so with our laddered tax system, you pay 10% on some income, 12% on the next step, and then perhaps 22% if you make enough, and so on. If you earn 122 grand in a year, you'll have an effective tax rate of 9.8%. You pay $11,980, which is 9.8% of your income of 122 grand. But then he goes on saying, the marginal tax rate is the tax rate of the bracket you're in. So at 122 grand of income, you're in a 22% tax bracket, so your marginal tax rate is 22%. If you put your money in a traditional IRA, you're deferring the marginal tax rate, which is the upper tier tax bracket, so you can pay the effective tax rate, or the average rate, in retirement. In other words, you're saving yourself 22% in taxes today if you agree to pay a 9.8% tax in retirement, assuming the same income and same tax rates. But if you invest in a Roth, that means you're paying 22% tax today so you can save 9.8% in retirement, which he concluded was not for him. He felt that if you're young and you can contribute a ton to retirement and you plan to make a huge income in later years, then a Roth makes sense. But when he looks at average people, he thinks that most people should probably stick with their traditional. Now, one thing he didn't do was talk about the other benefits of the Roth that I've called out, like RMDs or being able to take out your contributions early and such. But there are wealth management experts that disagree with him. Like Dave Ramsey recently laid out the math for why he thinks the Roth is better in most cases, thus disputing that article. Dave's example had a 25-year-old who makes an adjusted gross income of 50 grand annually, who contributes $6,500 a year to a Roth IRA and increases future contributions to the maximum allowed. Assuming a 7% rate of return and a tax rate that jumps from 24% to 28% in retirement, the Roth may be worth 176 grand more than a traditional IRA, or roughly 1.4 million versus 1.2 million. But Ramsey did acknowledge that the lower the tax bracket, the less the Roth looks compelling. Flipping the tax rates to 28% pre-retirement and 24% in retirement, you'll come out ahead by just 100 grand, and at somewhere around 33% pre and 19% post, you'd break even. So Ramsey agreed that for the traditional IRA to work out over the Roth, you'd have to be in a dramatically lower tax bracket at retirement. But that's when Ramsey would recommend to start gradually transferring money from a traditional IRA into a Roth. You can do what's called a Roth conversion ladder, which allows you to move funds gradually from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, potentially without triggering any tax penalties. This conversion generally takes place over several years and should be carefully planned out in advance. Basically, since you space out your rollovers over several years, what you do is convert just enough money from your traditional into your Roth to push your total income to the limits of your current tax bracket without entering the next bracket up. Like, let's say you're single and you made 30 grand, capping you at a 12% bracket for your income between 11k to 30k. You decide to start rolling over money from your traditional to your Roth, and you see that if you withdraw $14,725 a year out of your IRA, then you'll be taxed at the 12% rate, assuming you're at retirement age, and taking state taxes out of this. 
so you'd owe 12% taxes on that almost 15k you withdrew, and then you'd roll the remaining amount into a Roth. But if you withdrew 50k instead of the 15k, then on the extra 35k you'd be taxed at the 22% tax bracket. And that's how some people optimize the tax brackets to minimize the amount of taxes they pay when doing a conversion into a Roth spread out over multiple years. Again, I'm not a tax expert, so I always talk to a real tax pro before ever trying anything like this, as you don't want to make mistakes with taxes. Another strategy some people do is roll their money over in a low tax year. And in general, the longer the time horizon and the higher the likelihood for a higher projected income tax bracket in retirement, the more likely a Roth conversion will work in an investor's favor. Like for many folks, a prime time for Roth conversions takes place during the years after retirement, but before Social Security and RMDs kick in. Those can be relatively low income years during which initiating a conversion can result in a triple benefit, those benefits being lower tax bills, reduced RMDs, and future tax-free growth. So a Roth conversion ladder could let you bypass that 10% early withdrawal penalty. By spacing out conversions, you can effectively access your retirement savings early without restrictions, but you'll have to wait 5 years before you can access your retirement savings early without penalty. Roth IRA conversion ladders are also commonly used by early retirees who want to make the most of their retirement in their 50s, and those with other sources of income that want to optimize their tax situation in retirement. For each conversion you do, you'll have a 5-year waiting period, which means that if you take the money out before this time, you'll have to pay a 10% early withdrawal penalty. Beyond conversions, you also have to think about tax rates. Like if you think tax rates will go up, then making a Roth conversion now might be worth considering. Anyways, Ramsey didn't factor in state income taxes or the various Roth benefits in his overly simplistic calculations, and one could argue that income in retirement for the majority of people is much lower than during their peak working years, which would provide some tailwinds for traditional accounts doing better and pre-tax contributions when talking about tax brackets. Another factor that wasn't discussed is retirees often have other sources of income in retirement, like social security or maybe pensions or whatever. All of that changes the equations. Ramsey's bottom line point, whether you go with a traditional, a Roth, or both, is to, and I quote, shut your butt up and save. And I would agree with him, though I'd say invest rather than save. Now another really interesting data point was an exchange I had with somebody named NBA Neil on my dividend discord server, where we were talking about a different but similar article where the author felt that he had lost out on $100,000 of retirement post-tax income because he had gone with a Roth instead of a traditional IRA. NBA Neil put together a spreadsheet to figure out the math behind what a Roth or a traditional IRA would do better. He modeled out month-over-month contributions that would be going into a traditional, which would be higher since it was pre-tax dollars going in, versus a Roth, which obviously has a big advantage when it's being withdrawn. NBA Neil then created various tabs of the spreadsheet, where he modeled different time frames, different contribution amounts, taxation, etc. He concluded that if your retirement was 10 years away and you were just starting saving, then it was impossible to beat out a traditional IRA. If you were 20 years away from retirement and were contributing, then you had to invest at least $6,279 a year into a Roth for it to end up ahead of a traditional. If you did less than that, then he concluded the traditional would be better. At 30 years of contribution, a Roth would need $6,038 a year of contributions to win out. And at 40 years, it would need about $5,900 a year, and anything less than that meant a traditional is better, which surprised him and me. After NBA Neil showed me his spreadsheet, I mentioned that there's also the backdoor option, that's what she said, implying that you could start with an IRA and then convert over. Neil also concluded that you're only losing the 100k that the article claims if you don't invest more into the Roth IRA to make up the difference you paid in taxes. Okay, and back to the article. So like Neil was saying, the guy didn't directly lose 400k, but he did make a valid point in that if you don't optimize things for your taxes, then over multiple decades your retirement could lose out on hundreds of thousands of dollars to taxes. I looked for a Roth versus traditional IRA calculator online, but couldn't find any thorough ones, just simplistic ones, like this one on Bankrate.com. 
In this example, I input someone who is 40 years old, who plans to retire by 65, makes 55k a year, and deposits 5k into a retirement account each year. Then at retirement, their after-tax amount the Roth would have would be 338 grand, versus a traditional's after-tax amount would be 352 grand. This assumes a 7% return, 25% taxes now, and 15% tax during retirement, and assumes you're married. And I was surprised to see those numbers. Though again, there are other benefits you get with a Roth. And this is a simplistic calculator, it doesn't do things like assume a backdoor Roth, nor does it calculate the tax rate for you, nor does it show RMDs or the death of a spouse options, but it's all I could find. That being said, another guy I was talking to about this on my Discord was a guy named Dividend Limey. He went really deep modeling a Roth versus a traditional IRA to mathematically answer the question which was better. He included things like FICA taxes, living expenses, various taxes, social security, inflation, and growing rates, blah blah blah, and he ultimately concluded that the saving rate and the time to retirement are the two biggest factors in figuring out what makes sense to do. So the more you save and the longer you save, the more valuable the Roth becomes because you climb the progressive tax ladder. Traditional becomes less valuable the more you use it. However, if time right, you can use Roth in the early, low-income years and switch to traditional in the later peak years where the tax liability has less time to compound. I kept looking for perspectives on Roths versus IRAs, and I found one website where the guy was seemingly really against Roths. He claimed that if you're under 33 years old, and you can contribute more than 5 grand a year, and you plan to withdraw large amounts in retirement, i.e. greater than 100k, only then would a Roth make sense. So 92% of people believe they should invest in a Roth, but this guy says that only 9% of people who took the survey would actually benefit from a Roth. And it's actually even lower than that, he said. The people who said they plan to withdraw huge amounts of money in retirement is unrealistic given their retirement account balance. In reality, he thought that only 1 out of 635 surveyed individuals would benefit from a Roth investment and have their savings last for more than 10 years. Which, based on the survey results, means a Roth IRA is only worth it for 0.2% of the population. Now do you know who this guy thought the Roth IRA was good for? Hold your breath because you conspiracy theorists will love this answer. He thinks the Roth is only great for the government because, number one, most people aren't saving well for retirement. Number two, most will have less money in their later years than they do today. Number three, this means most are paying high taxes now and will pay very little in retirement. So would the government want you to defer your taxes and pay them later? He says of course not. They'd like their money today and they'd like to see more money rather than less in the future. But he says that's precisely what the Roth IRA does. It forces you to pay taxes today and at a likely higher rate than you would in retirement. Thus he says it's a great deal for the government and it's a horrendous deal for you, the taxpayer. But why does he say most people think the Roth IRA is a good idea? I mean you get good tax-free growth on your money, you avoid paying taxes in retirement, you pay taxes now but avoid the higher tax rates in the future. So I thought that was kind of fascinating. Then I started diving into the comments section of articles and I saw people who were heavily divided on what was better, including responses on both sides from CPAs, wealth managers, retired folks, and everything in between. So I think that regardless of what retirement accounts you go with, the most important thing is to keep investing in decent stuff for a long period of time. The key aspect of building wealth is sometimes more of a function of behavior than of math. What I mean is that your behavior of consistent long-term investing in reasonable assets will do wonders for your wealth creation, regardless of what tax rates are in the future. Being able to not freak out when markets crash will help you have a stronger retirement. It looks like a Roth becomes more compelling if you're earning a steady paycheck or generally in a lower tax bracket and are looking for a retirement plan with the flexibility to pull contributions without taxes or penalties. If you're someone who's making tons of money now and are in the 40% tax bracket and you expect to retire in the 15%, then a traditional probably makes more sense. Obviously a big unknown is if taxes will trend up over time, either due to your income or due to general tax laws or if they'll go sideways or down. 
If you're someone who thinks taxes will probably go up over time, then having the tax-free Roth becomes much more compelling. If you honestly think the taxes are going down in the future, then I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. That's another way of saying that I actually think there's a higher likelihood that taxes will go up over time for most of us, not go down. And the more they go up, the more it makes the calculus for going with a Roth look better. I mean, if we look at the national debt per person and its trends, then do you think that the government won't really need to collect more taxes down the road? But playing devil's advocate, we could also say that if things get so bad where taxes go berserk, then who's to say that the laws won't change and suddenly they'll start taxing Roth distributions? Now you might say that would never happen, and I think you'd actually be right, but tax laws change all the time, including going against previous things that were said. Like when Social Security first came out, its benefits were explicitly excluded from federal income taxation. But then about 50 years later in the 80s, the tax laws were changed so that a portion of Social Security became subject to federal income taxes. Now that's different than if they pulled the rug out of existing Roth holders, so more realistically I could see them stopping go-forward Roth contributions, as well as grandfathering in people who've already got them. Anyway, another key thing to realize is that you don't only have to do a traditional or a Roth, you could also do both. And look into a possibility of doing an HSA and a taxable. Everything has its pros and cons, and you need to learn about them enough to the point that you can make educated decisions for what makes sense for you. Or you could outsource that to a financial advisor in hopes he can help you figure things out. But one thing I am sure about is that people who invest in a Roth and the people who invest in a traditional will probably do much better than the guy who has no retirement account at all. Okay, now I want to move on and share an important insight about a dividend stock that many of us own, which is Pepsi. And it also pertains to Coke and other snack and beverage stocks out there. An insight which highlights why I recommend you follow me on Twitter, aka X, where my username is at GenXDividend. Here's a tweet I did yesterday and another from today, which I think highlights the value you can get from following me. It started with me sharing Pepsi's latest earning report summary for the quarter, and then one of my followers named Marion C. tweeted me asking if they said anything about obesity drugs like Ozempic potentially affecting their revenues. Basically, there's a new trend of weight loss drugs that are growing rapidly, so how would snack food companies like Pepsi be affected by that? I responded to her that they did talk about that in their earnings report, and I shared the transcript and pointed her to page 10, where you can see a question that was asked to Pepsi's CEO by a city analyst on the earnings call who said, so clearly there's been a lot of concern in the market about the adoption of GLP-1 drugs in the U.S. and the potential impact on your business. So maybe can you comment a bit on what you've seen so far? For reference, GLP-1 drugs can help lower blood sugar levels and promote weight loss. Of course, as with most drugs, there can be side effects, so talk to a doctor if you're thinking of trying them out. Anyways, Pepsi CEO Ramon LaGuarta responded saying, Listen, obviously we're looking at this along with many other positive and negative potential risks for our business and our categories. So far, the impact is negligible in our business. He goes on to talk about how they're seeing lifestyle changes and people snacking to eat, so meals are becoming more mini-meals and are becoming much more unstructured during the day, with all of that being a big driver of beverage and snack consumption, and thus Pepsi is seeing a lot of tailwinds that will continue to drive their business. My point in all that is I try to add value in all my social media, and you can see that with this exchange I had today that you'll get value not just from my tweets, but also from my interactions with my followers. Thus, I recommend you follow at GenXDividend on Twitter, as that's another way you can increase your exposure to good dividend-related info. Okay, and now I'd normally share my latest new Patreon aristocrat and king signups, but I'm all sold out. So instead, I'd like to thank Seeking Alpha who sponsors me. I paid for their premium membership for years because I value their articles and associated comments so much, and these days I'd literally never buy or sell a stock without first reviewing what Seeking Alpha had on it. So I recommend you sign up to them using my affiliate link in the description of this video, as using it often comes with benefits for new member signups. Whatever you do, please hit the thumbs up button, subscribe if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. 
And I highly recommend that you join my free dividend Discord chat server, which has around 11,000 dividend investors on it from 76 countries around the world. Thanks for watching, stay positive, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.